Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull. It is a Monday. It feels amazing uh, outside, Dave. You're... I love weather just like this. Maybe a little warmer, but I love it just like this. I I love it. I'm pretty upset that like the last two days we've had radio, it's been like two of the nicest days of the year, and yeah. I just keep staring longingly out the window because i should be as much as i love again doing radio with you with our fine fans and listeners i i should be you know snap hooking a drive on the 14th uh, tee right now <laughs> <laughs> i should be draw hitting three off the tee and triple bogeying the 15th but that's just where we're at i mean that's where we're at. we got to do these things should go ahead and uh give uh, some uh, acknowledgement to you poor moms and dads maybe perhaps at home with kids mm. jcps out again uh today because so many schools still without power so many yeah. of you still either without power and or internet hope that they are able to uh, get that cleared away pretty quickly as obviously it's ten- turned into uh, a pretty big ordeal uh, for everybody at least the we weather's had- nice so they can just send the kids outside to play maybe <laughs> i did that yesterday i'm not gonna lie to you there you go they're good about it too. I got to give them their props for that, right? Like, don't don't go near the street. Everything else is fair game. Yeah, just kind of be where you can loosely hear me. That's right. If anybody's bleeding, uh, come tell me. I do. Yeah, or don't. I don't <laughs> you know, solve just... it. Whatever. <laughs> I do. I do think back on Dave, and I. It's the first time I've ever really kind of envied my parents. It, they just grew up. We grew up. And they were very, very, very comfortable with kind of loosely knowing where I was. Right. And I can't, I don't do that because nobody does that anymore. And I do kind of envy my parents for that. See, I can't figure out, I think it was even more so with me because I was on military bases. So there was a lot of like just built in trust. You know what I mean? So I would leave, especially during the summer, I would leave at like nine in the morning and come back after dark. (laughs) Oftentimes I might (laughs) might stop at home for a sandwich uh in some time in the middle of the day but we would just be outside all day long we'd ride our bikes all over all over post you know we'd go to the reservoir and swim or we'd play manhunt at night like it just play baseball we had a sandlot we'd play baseball there like they're just all different kinds of stuff man and never ever like can't tell you how little time we spent inside doing stuff like it just always outside parents well, almost look, never knew where i was even with the obvious awful season uh, that we have sort of uh, endured on the men's side uh, we have reached the best time of the year and i have enjoyed watching a bunch of conference tournaments and some pretty uh high profile games to end uh, the men's regular season here now mm-hmm. getting ready for the uh, the big conferences and the big tournaments and that sort of thing i'm still thrilled about this time of year i'm looking forward to these uh, these tournaments anyway uh let's start things off though i guess uh with on the women's side, yes, I, I thought after the disappointment uh, of the way that the Notre Dame game ended to end the regular season, and I think Louisville really feeling like they really missed a golden opportunity there uh, to to notch a pretty big win at the end of the regular season. They went to the ACC tournament. We're like, we're going to, we're just going to lay waste to everyone. 
in uh, problem, I think, for Louisville was they played a Virginia Tech team who was also in the same mindset and kind of capable of that. Yes. And just made made more shots. That's really the the end of it because that's – and Jeff talked about it post game. You know, if you look at the right side of the the, the uh, box score, like Louisville was out-rebounded by one, but they out-rebounded uh, Vatek on the offensive end 12-7. to seven. Uh, they had four less turnovers than Virginia Tech. Like Louisville limited their turnovers to nine on the game. Uh, they did a lot of good things, but it boiled down to two things. In the first half, Louisville just simply wasn't as crisp defensively as they've been uh, recently, especially over the last couple of games in the ACC tournament. Uh, they put together one of their finest, they, their finest all-around performance on Saturday and were just stifling on the defensive end. Um, and two, the free throw differential was just hard to – it was insurmountable. You know, that was the biggest difference uh, of everything. Louisville had 17 more shots from the field. I think it was 67 to 50 um, because of the turnovers and the offensive rebounds, et cetera. Um, but they just – Virginia Tech was 25 of 27 from the free throw line, and Louisville was 10 of 12. You know, and Kitley is – Elizabeth Kitley is a phenomenal player. Uh, and she draws a lot of fouls because of her size, her combination of size and skill, her ability to get position um, and use her body and length. But she also gets the superstar whistle <laughs> that Alyssa Cunane, she kind of uh, inherited it from Alyssa Cunane when she graduated last year. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a tough it's a tough mountain to climb. She was 8 of 9 from the free throw line. And more than that, Georgia Moore was 10 of 10. Uh, and she was killing us all day. And there was, I don't want to like downplay it. For the first two and a half quarters, Virginia Tech was getting much more open shots than Louisville was. And they were, they were, Louisville was, was just, they were losing backdoor cuts and stuff like they hadn't been doing the last couple of games. Um, and then about, and Louisville felt like they had to labor for everything. And then about halfway through the third quarter, we started to speed them up a lot and we started to trap them uh, in the half court and full court. Um, and the game was – Louisville started to take control of it a little bit. Uh, Liz Dixon started fronting the post and denying the ball uh, a little bit, and it was working because um, that's really the only way you can defend Elizabeth Kitley. I mean, she's – Virginia Tech's not a huge team, but Elizabeth Kitley's 6'6". You know, like she's huge, and she's really good. Um, and it felt like Louisville had control of the game to a degree for the last quarter and a half, but even then when they were getting a lot of stops and – hurrying Virginia Tech up and having them turn the ball over and make some mistakes they hadn't been making in the first half, we still weren't hitting some open shots. And if it wasn't for Chrislyn Carr, who really uh, took over the game offensively and started, she can really, she's always been able to hit the ball off the dribble or hit the shot off the dribble as well as off the screen. She was utilizing the screens really well uh, yesterday. And she scored 27 and frankly was shooting a great percentage until like the last two minutes of the game when we had to start putting up a lot of shots. Um, if it wasn't for her, we probably would have lost by 20. But um, we just were missing a lot of wide-open shots at the end of the game, even when we had the advantage. Uh, so it was it was a frustrating game, but not one that I thought that they, they played poorly. They just uh, they weren't as crisp, but they came out a little flat in the first half and then just couldn't overcome that, that differential at the end. Yeah, I think that they got to the end, uh, of or they got to the championship game and were not able to conjure, I think, just – quite the same frenetic kind of desperate defensive effort that they had been able to uh, in the first two games. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that Virginia Tech is perfectly built in terms of their backcourt to kind of give Louisville some trouble. You know, mm -hmm. I, for as much as I think we like Haley Van Lith and Casa and others, like they are, they're not like blisteringly fast. They're not quick. And I thought Virginia Tech's backcourt was extremely quick. And a very big part of that free throw differential that Louisville had to overcome and wasn't able to is the fact that they really kept Louisville's defense having to sort of help and, and rotate. And they got a lot of sort of dribble penetration. They hit some tough step back shots, things like that. It was just I felt like it was really more about them than about Louisville. But I left there, even with Louisville losing in the championship there, feeling like whoever is like the one seed, let's say they're, they're, end up in, they're, they're going to be a five seed, Whoever's the, right. the one in that region is going to be pissed. Mm -hmm. I would not want to see Louisville down there on the final. I think the four is going to be pissed too. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Having yeah. to play Louisville on their home court, but like on their, like, you know, whoever it is. Um, 
right, I think Charlie Cream yesterday, and I'm not sure if he's updated, had us in the Austin Regional with Texas as our four. Um, we beat Texas earlier this year in November. Uh, but um, Texas has played really well, you know, since then, since about mid-December on. Um, so that should be a good matchup. I don't know if it's to our benefit or not if we've played them before. Uh, because I think one of the big advantages for Louisville getting outside the conference is playing a lot of these teams that aren't as familiar with us because we aren't an easy team to prepare for. You know, like it's we do play small, but we have unique players like Mikasa. It's really hard to replicate what she does on the defensive end, you know, and and um, our makeup is just a it's a unique team makeup and what we try to do on offense and defense. So. I, I like our chances when we get into the NCAA tournament to, to make it the second weekend, hopefully, depending on matchups. It's going to all be matchups um, driven going forward. But, uh, yeah, the one seed's not going to love having Louisville as their five. They're just not going to like it. It's a, you, you never want to see a, a prestige program that has been there before and has been there recently and knows makes their, their hay in March. You just don't want to see that. And I, I hope, beyond hope, that – we don't get matched up in South Carolina's region yeah. or, frankly, Indiana's. I think that they are – South Carolina's head and shoulders above the rest of the country. And Everyone, yeah. Indiana's kind of head you know, heading maybe a little bit behind them and above everybody else, in my opinion. Um, I'd rather right now – I think it was – before the end of the ACC tournament, it was Maryland and uh, Stanford as the other two ones. Uh, you might see Vatek – slip up there um and grab one of those one seeds we'll see um but if you ask me like it's it's kind of in descending order like i don't want to see south carolina i don't want to see indiana it's not like any of the other options are great but i'd rather see any of the other options than those two <laughs> yeah i don't think you can blame anybody for not wanting to face south carolina right no. now uh, at all and it's not no, like I... stanford's some kind of treat you know it's cameron brink right. Sally jones but like it's i'd rather play them than in South Carolina or Indiana. So, look, I just wanted to give a, a, a salute uh, to Jeff. I think that they went to Greensboro looking to, I think, leave there as a feeling different as a team. And I think that the first two rounds and the, the way that they dominated and the fact that they didn't – I don't feel like they even held their heads particularly low after that game. It felt like Virginia Tech played really well. And is yeah. a wor- is a worthy team that beat them, uh, and it was the first time I don't you know, and I this is just my my own ignorance. It's one of the first times I've ever watched a women's game and thought there's about to be a fight, right? But Acosta you know, got- probably should have been. She she got away with one late, and that's not normal for her. She's she's usually the one getting tossed because other people get frustrated with her. Um, but she, I mean, she body checked that girl in like the second <laughs> second row <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> It well, was like and I joked Tiara Henderson. Uh, I joked about it that you could understand why she might think that nothing is a foul right. uh, after her being allowed to be form tackled with the ball uh, to no call. Yeah, it's not uh, like it hadn't happened to her like right, yeah, right I, I before. Be like, oh, it's the purge. Okay, here we go. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Get the hell out of bounds. No rules today. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> well, you like you know how the NFL they changed that rule. They used to try to like judgment call it right, where like if you pushed a receiver out of bounds, yeah. they would kind of say like, well, yeah, I think he would have made it had you not done that. So we're going to give him the catch, and that guy forget that. And now if you're in the air, that defensive back is flinging you out of bounds. Yeah. That's what it, that's what it looked like. Like she just chucked the girl out of bounds so she couldn't get both feet in. Uh, and it was it really was the first one of the the only times I've ever thought in a women's game like oh they're they're about to throw down here everyone better get control of this game right now thankfully they they didn't yeah. but I I still think it was overall a good trip for Louisville and I think they're gonna leave there kind of eager to keep playing like this and that, that you know it might have taken a whole year to get the defensive message through to them but it did did get through to them in Greensboro and they were you know six or seven points worse than the uh, the eventual champion and that that's not the worst thing in the world look I, and I will say this uh, you watch enough women's basketball I promise it gets chippy a lot <laughs> like you think this was past chippy they're, they're gonna it, they, it looks like they're gonna fight a fair I'm, I'm just 
throw that out there. But you're right. No, it got it got way past Chippy. Uh, but no, that that Notre Dame game, like we've been talking for a couple of months about them being on the verge, and they've they've grabbed some good wins, but like it, it felt like the a lot of those those normal elite wins had eluded them. But they, not not that they hadn't have good ones, you know, North Carolina and Florida State and 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 Texas and like they they had some good wins this year. Um, but it was really nice to see kind of a culmination of all that on Saturday with that just absolute ass-whooping of, of Notre Dame. It was perfect. Uh, and I think that showed them how they can play and what they can do this year. Um, and they just ran into a, the wall a little bit on Sunday, but they're going to have a day of rest between their games and the NCAA tournament. And, and I hope I hope they, they remember how that felt and it propels them to at least the second uh, the second weekend. I feel good about it after after the overall performance in the ACC tournament. You know, Dave, I know we enjoy uh, when we get text into the show text line, UPS job text line, that <laughs> we don't understand the antecedents, right? We don't, like, what in the world led someone to send that? And the first thing that we always kind of go through mentally is like, well, what did we do? And then, like, did they intend this for someone else? And someone just sending us a picture of spicy chili crisp oil <laughs> with text, this crispy chili oil is legit. Put it on anything. It might be totally true. I would love to know what it is that either of us said. What's the 17 roadmap? minutes of the show. Yeah, what's yes, the roadmap exactly. to get us here? From... <laughs> idea or whatever trigger to delivering this but i want to i just want you to know texture i believe you this crispy chili oil is um is legit it's basically like the chili oil you get at thai restaurants and stuff that stuff is really good i believe you texture and thank you for (laughs) for for sharing we'll always take food that's for you they like they likes food i love food (laughs) it's my favorite (laughs) and by the way so we'll just Probably the key, and and Nick Curran, like the nicest guy in the world. I saw him before I came in here, and he was like, "You and Chrissy have to stop doing post game shows." So, <laughs> well, we need to talk about this, Dave. We do. We've do we? got to talk about the fact that you guys have done a post game show for a Louisville win on the women's basketball side one time. No, right? twice this year. It's twice. Okay. Okay. We've had several in the past. You know, it just. We've been doing this show since postseason 2021. We've had several wins. Last year we we had post game shows for lots of wins, but this season we're two and seven. It's not a great it's not a great record. <laughs> so we didn't do one for the Florida State game, and we couldn't do one for the Texas game because it was during the day. <laughs> so the the question is: Do is it? Do we solve this by you no longer doing one at all, or do we need to get other people to do it? It's a great question. You know, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Like, this comes off really, uh, you know, it was a disappointing loss, but like the post game show was over an hour and a half, and we had a bunch of callers, and it was a a really great post game show. But like Chrissy and I have to probably have a conversation about whether we need to shake up the personnel. Do I need to leave? <laughs> like, do we need to bring two new people in? Uh, do we just need to to not do the post? Maybe you guys shows? come off the bench. Maybe we someone can, can start the show, do like the first segment, <laughs> right. and then you guys come in. Maybe I can. We can act like we're not doing a post game show. And then when we win, we'll run in here and do one. The pop-up one? Yeah, the pop-up post-game shows. That I like. There's a lot of ideas that we need to be able to, like, circumvent this curse somehow. It's been – we've had more sad – too many sad post-game shows this year. But it's been a really – we've built the community a lot. Some some repetitive, like, repeat callers and texters. And uh, it's been fun, man. It's It's – we we were happy. It was a passion of mine to grow grow coverage of of this team, and and we've gotten to the point where we've got a really solid post game community, and and we'll be with you all during the postseason. Hopefully, timing works out and everything that we can do a post game show. One of the first op- the opening weekend games, we'll let you all know uh, if Twitter is still around next weekend. You know, <laughs> we'll we'll give you no updates on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly no uh, no guarantee uh, by 
by any means that it will, but at least we got links that work again. Texter says uh, Chrissy is great. I blame Biscuit 100%. So I totally I. agree. I, so yes. do I. And, and that, that was, was somebody who listens to the post game show. He was texting us yesterday not to end it because he didn't have power and he was bored. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad for him. Don't when we were stop signing because off. I don't He's have like, anything to do once this is over. He's like, don't even, like, you don't have to keep talking about the game if you don't want to. Just talk about anything. It's fine. <laughs> Please don't end the show. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Yeah. yeah, that would be great. I agree. All right, look, we, we've got uh, a lot that we want to get into, but I just wanted to start by both acknowledging uh, the the choppiness of that game for the Louisville women in the championship, but that it was, I think they leave there with the committee feeling better about them. I think they'll go to wherever they, they wind up feeling really confident about being able to get out of that first weekend uh, against anybody that they play. They're not going to play more skilled players than they played in that uh, ACC tournament. They're really not. Uh, and they've challenged themselves uh, in the non-conference this year. I just don't think that they're going to take the court against anybody that's going to seem more imposing than anyone they've played multiple times this year. Yeah, no, that's that's the, the, the positive about the ACC schedule. And on top of that, the way that not just Jeff, but all top women's programs schedule like there are so many elite matchups in the in the in the um the pre-conference amongst all the top teams in louisville is no exception so um they got to see ohio state and texas and not just that they got to see teams like gonzaga and south dakota state and minute tennessee state teams that they would normally face in like the first round of the tournament second round of the tournament um so that's that it all matters like if you if you play 15 tournament teams during the season it you know stands to reason that you're going to be more more uh prepared for the tournament than a team that doesn't go through that kind of a gauntlet uh, and the acc is right up there the big 10 and the acc have been the two best conferences this year uh i'd say the acc might be better top to bottom but the big 10's top five is just absurd um and they probably have three teams that could potentially make a final four run uh but that's that's kind of a it's been those two conferences and it's that gone that really prepares you for the for the tournament i'm looking forward to this i think they've got a run in them it's just a it's a matchup driven tournament it always is uh and we'll see who they draw next monday it look this is a great time of year regardless of how the the louisville men uh are doing we'll talk about them plenty uh throughout uh, the show here but run remind you guys that tonight the uh, the Southern Conference Championship between Chattanooga and Furman's on ESPN 680 tonight, 645 or so. Dan McDonald show right after us, 6 yeah. to 7 on 93 on the Bill, and then Kenny Payne from 7 to 8 after that. Uh, we've got uh, the Boston College game in the ACC tournament is tomorrow. It is scheduled to tip at 4.30, but it's the second game, and I think we all know what I'm warning you about, which yes. is if that game runs over in any way, it could push it back a little bit. But what you need to know is I'm off tomorrow. There's a, The network pregame starts at 3, and then the game is scheduled for 4.30. It'll start around there, so there'll be no drive uh, tomorrow. At 7-ish, you'll get your Coors Light postgame show uh, with Ethan Moore. That's uh, tomorrow. And then it, it, it's championship week. We've got stuff all yeah. week. So again, we mentioned the Southern Conference Championship is tonight. Tomorrow, again, we'll be off, but the, the CAA Championships on ESPN 680 at 6.45, and the West Coast uh, Conference Championship is at 9. Both of those are on 680 uh, tomorrow. It's Conference Championship Week on e Conference Championship Week on ESPN Louisville, and it's brought to you by especially our friends at Kentucky Fish and Wildlife, Seven County Services, Kelly Jobs, Kroger. Appreciate all of their uh, support all week. It's a great time of year, man. I'm very, very excited about watching others play uh, and just sort of putting <laughs> behind, griping behind me. Sorry. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just want to out of that for a little bit because I know we're going to get <laughs> back into it. But, you know, just to be, I guess, uh, stress-free just watching. And now, look, we had the first, you know, big-time uh, transfer hit the portal today, and I, I had his name in front of me and I missed it. Uh but uh, you know, as these teams get eliminated, the mid-majors in their, in their conference tournaments, I mean, we're going to see more and more names hit the portal this week. Like, it's going to start this week going forward. Uh, and obviously, the, the major conference teams aren't going to be done until this weekend. And then going forward, you know, whoever doesn't make the tournament 
You might hear some announcements, including Louisville. But this is when it's start getting, it's going to start getting really interesting. You know, not only on the court, but off the court. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of stuff to report on, a lot of basketball to watch. Uh, probably not any Louisville basketball past tomorrow, and if we're lucky, maybe Wednesday. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's look. We all know the city of Louisville watches this tournament, whether we're in it or not. That's proven. Um, so there'll be some some good basketball to watch, which will be a nice welcome uh, change of pace on the men's side. Well, we're going to talk about the men uh, and the fact that we put uh, the regular season to bed and the best news to come out of that game against Virginia on Saturday. On the other side, is that here, a tease? It is. Look at you're such a professional. I swear. On the other side here, on the drive on the Thunderbolt, bear back. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it. But then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start, before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull. I had uh, mentioned before we took a break here, and we'll go ahead and we can open up the phones if you want to. It's Monday. We sort of do kind of a post-game show mentality on uh, on Mondays. But yes. I uh, had mentioned that even though it was yet another one of those visits to Virginia that feels like one of those visits to the dentist, uh, it there was good that came out of Louisville uh, playing Virginia, and that's that Keetra Clark has to leave now. Keetra Clark, Kihei Clark, has to leave now. <laughs> I was like, but he already left. I'm like Chris Rock. <laughs> I just, uh, all weekend to make a joke, and I botched it like you did last night. You were so excited. Yeah, I have, yeah, I've heard I've heard reviews on that. Oh, I'll, I'll give you my, I could give you some thoughts on that later. Okay. But uh, yeah. Kihei Clark has to leave. That's, that's what yeah, I was You have to go. Over there. You, can't, you, uh, you, you, can't, you can't stay here, man. You got to get out of here. That might be the only good thing, one of the main good things. Uh, but it, you know, it, it was a if it, it was a sad whimper to the end of the season. Mike James uh, was nice. That's about it for our on our four, side of the court. Uh, a, a four and twenty-seven season. Yes, that's right. Mike James had a very nice game, uh, and, and not much else uh, for Louisville in this one. The same sorts of things that had plagued them that plagued them again. And it was, you know, I, I did remember having the feeling as the game just sort of wound towards this uh, perfunctory four or five minutes to end the game where yeah. so everyone just sort of had to be out there whether they liked it, you know, or not. It was like the South Park's, uh, you know, summer kid, you know, when they, they, they just kept winning. Yeah. yeah. And they like, what well, God, please let us lose. Uh, it felt like that uh, a little bit, but it just, I did find myself thinking like, God, how much basketball have I watched this year with Louisville down 15? And it was like, I was, I felt relief the kind of relief like you feel like when someone's suffering is over you know what i mean yeah like that's and i hate that feeling and i have to tell you dave like i don't want to feel that anymore yeah it's just uh, it uh everybody was just waiting like i said last week going to home games felt like we were punching the clock you know like uh go and gotta serve my time and then i'll get out of here um that's not what basketball is supposed to be like and it's definitely not what louisville basketball is supposed to be like i just I would love to know, and maybe maybe Kelly Dickey has these stats for us, like what percentage of the season we spent down double figures, uh, because it's got to be like 70%. Texture wants you to save and mark that uh, Keytrail Clark sound like, yeah, you should. Keytrail Clark should. has to leave. Keytrail Clark has to leave. 
and he does. It's also true that he has to leave. That's true, but it, but we didn't but, want him to. <laughs> but look, Louisville loses the Virginia game, and I have to say, you know, Dave, early on in the year, and people are like, they're zero and three, they're not going to win one game or whatever. They're only going to win three, four games, and I just, I always thought that was ridiculous, and I just wanted to to register again. Look, maybe it's a shame on me kind of situation here, but I'm, I fully admit to my own shock and kind of disbelief level at at Louisville actually recording a 4 and 27 season I just would not have believed that for a, at any point preseason uh, or or even in early early into the season I just thought it would come around a lot longer or a lot better than it did uh, and it from the beginning to end it was there wasn't a lot of movement as a team and I think it's important to say that that I think Mike James is, is just a lot better than he was by the, uh, the compared to the beginning of the year. I think J.J. Trainer is a lot better than he was. I think Kamari Lands is a lot better than he was. And I think that might be it. Not much else really changed at all with the team as a whole or a whole lot of individuals than that. I think that's probably fair. Like Gal Ellis edited himself for a stretch in the second half, second half of the year. Uh, and became a more efficient player, but that that didn't stick every game. Um, I I think I, I was pretty clear last week. I was like, man, I after the the Lenore Ryan, the Leanne Rhymes loss, that's where I was like, everybody calm down. But then after like the first couple games of the year, I was like, eh. and then when we went by the fifth or sixth loss, when we went. You know, to uh, God, where do we go? We go to the Bahamas. Where do we go? We went to Maui. We went to Maui. Thank you. I've tried to put you, it you all. You got out your of my tropical head. islands confused. All of them. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Um, we went to Maui, and that's when I was like, "Oh, I'm not tempering anybody." You know, you know what I mean. I was just like, "I, yeah. I believe whatever anybody wants to believe," and that was only like games four, five, and six. So, like, I was already at that point. I was like, "Yeah, we may not win many games here, pal." <laughs> you know, like, um, so I, I, I had sort of disabused myself of the, the notion that we were gonna do much of anything at that point. But I just, man, it's 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 tough to put a a finger on where any growth really occurred outside of the players you mentioned and and. That was kind of my point halfway through the year when we put together the the back to back wins and and then we came back and beat uh God, not the Clemson win. What was the what was the God just we just did not win enough games this year for me to four to remember. I know. Like it's and it's let me see if I can even remember them. It was Western Kentucky, Lipscomb, Clemson, and Georgia Tech. Okay. No, you got no, you missed one. You got your Lipscomb is not right. Is Lipscomb not right? No, it was Florida A and M, not Lipscomb. For, Lipscomb was the game we lost after Florida A and M. Okay, so I was three out of four. There you go. But when we beat, won the Georgia Tech game, and people were talking about growth and everything, and my my point was, like, I don't think this is a result of any kind of buy-in. I think that there's been some individual improvement, and that's led to team improvement. And it's not to like strip any any uh, credit whatever credit there is for a four and 27 season, <laughs> like any credit for improvement from the coach staff is just like, you can't look at this team and tell me that anybody bought into anything, you know, and there wasn't better team defense being played and there wasn't anything like that. So it's about as bad as it could have gone. And even, even detractors of Kenny Payne's or people that really didn't think this was going to go well until we started losing games until they actually saw the product in the court. I don't think anybody thought four and 27, you yeah. know, nobody did. Like they were like, "Dude, we're gonna win like ten games. Like it's it's gonna be bad." Nobody thought it was less than five wins until they started seeing the product on the court, and then people were like, "Oh my god, we might not win a game." Um, this has been as bad as it could go, and that's why it's hard to to hear anybody who who wants to just completely strip any kind of agency and, and any kind of responsibility from the. The coaching staff, like it's just you got to have a real conversation about this, or you, or you lose all credibility. If you want to jump in, eighty-one fifty ninety-three nine is the number. We'd love to hear from folks uh, tonight, 
or today really about uh, the whole season or about Virginia or about this upcoming ACC tournament, which again, we'll remind you, we will be preempted by that game tomorrow. So if you're going to be at work or wherever, 93.9 The Ville instead of us, it'll be them. It'll be the game. Yeah. Uh, pre-game coverage starting three-ish and the game itself starting 4.30-ish provided everything uh, remains on time there. So if you want to get in here, 8150, 93.9, we'll start things off. Uh, with our good friend, Birdhead Ryan. Birdhead Ryan, good to hear from you, buddy. Welcome into the drive. What's up? Hey, guys. So when the season finally ends uh, and we're put out of our misery, what what sort of time frame realistically should fans look at to expect some positive momentum? I mean, I don't see in the next week we're going to have a, you know, a lot of information, maybe two weeks is it. We'd wait to at least, you know, first week of May, Derby Day, before we start seeing a lot of changes, whether it's coaches, well, definitely players, but even maybe coaches. I don't want to sit back and get frustrated two weeks into this when realistically we need to at least give ourselves four or five weeks. But I'm curious what your thoughts are um, on that, and I will uh, take your answer off the air. Uh, good hearing you guys on the air. Take care. Go cards. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Appreciate it, Bernard. I appreciate it. I mean, I suspect I mean, the transfer portal opens right away. Yeah. Like as soon as the conference tournaments are over, uh, the the year is over for for pretty much everybody. And, and I think, that, except for obviously the teams that are going to be uh, in the postseason, and even then, you're going to get immediately a just a, a ocean of guys into the transfer portal, both from Louisville. And that would interest Louisville, I think. But uh, the thing that I think everyone's got to recognize here is whether it's against the rules or not, everyone's already working on this a lot. A lot. And I think that the fact that uh, Dennis Evans is going to visit this weekend, I think that there's an extremely good chance that we get good Dennis Evans news very soon after that, uh, I, like I think that I'm very confident in Louisville's position in that one. I think that there's that's going to happen, and I think that given his comments, you know, been being interviewed about decommitting and what he's looking for and why various schools appeal to him, I know he's visiting TCU, uh, and then he's going to visit Louisville this weekend uh, on Saturday. Uh, that would, of course, Dave, create a problem if Louisville's in the championship game of the ACC tournament. But I, I think. Well, I'm gonna come well we've got to play it on that, don't we? <laughs> I'm sorry. Is he all right there? I'm good. By the way, the two callers on hold are Mark and Dave, in case you just wanted to have them come in and host the show instead of Go us. Me, <laughs> then you. But just uh, as a as a as just a, a kind of a – I think that part, Dave, will, will, will be the first of several. Yes. So Dennis Evans, obviously, this weekend, big deal. Uh, but the Wofford senior, B.J. Mack, has entered the transfer portal. There are like six players that entered the transfer portal from uh, Georgia State today. Dartmouth, VMI, Brown. Like, just telling you all, it's going to start in – it's already started in urgent, like with urgency today. Yeah. Uh, and that means you're going to start hearing news in the next week or two. And I don't. I think – if Kenny Payne has learned anything, and I believe him to be a smart man, you know, so I'm sure he's learned plenty. But if he learned anything from last year and the time he took to build the roster, you have to understand you probably need to get a couple of hits early, you know, and, and get a couple of, uh, of ro- roster builders, regardless of you'll have room for the big, the big names, you know, but there's going to be guys that are leaving the team. And if you want a guy, you probably need to act on him. You know, he's not going to drag his feet. You know, if you think he dragged his feet last year, which there's a probably a fair criticism in how he he uh, exercised his his the portal essentially. Um, I would say you're going to see him be active early and often. Texture wants to know a similar question before. <laughs> excuse me, before we get back to the phones, and that's how long after the last game before KP and Josh meet. I do not think any staff will change unless they choose to leave on their own. Uh, I think that they they might have already done so, uh, and I would <laughs> excuse me, I would not be shocked if that's the case uh, at all. But usually that thing gets done right away because you've got to immediately move into action items. Because look, if you're if you've made your decision that 
you know, Kenny's coming back, then surely it's not. It can't be like, okay, let's keep doing what we're doing. It's how do we change this? How much should we change? What needs to be changed? What do you need? What do you want? And then Josh is like, here, well, here's what I want, and here's what I need uh, before I start committing, you know, additional resources here. Uh, will staff changes be part of that? I don't. I don't know, because the most difficult part of this is there's still at least a small portion of a probability or possibility that that the staff really isn't like the problem that the roster really is like a giant problem that if they turn it over and turn it over right you wouldn't want that necessarily but i would say if i'm josh kenny nobody gets to go four and 27 and keep doing everything the same yeah status quo ain't gonna work bud yeah, and that if you are, if you don't intend to make any changes, tell me why. Yeah, you're gonna have to justify. Yeah, like he's gonna have to probably resell his staff members to. I agree. To Josh, you know. Every- I would think so. Yes, and look, if you're a head coach, that's part of the, that's the ugly part of the job too, uh, is that you've got to look at this and be like, how can I do what I need to do better? What What do I need on this staff now that I've done this for a full year? What needs to be here? You know, I think that kind of familiarity and trust were, were absolutely 100% the most important things because Kenny needed his guys right away. But now you're a full year into this, and I would imagine even though the year didn't go well, you know the job a lot better than you ever could have when you when you took the job. And what you would need and want from your assistants has probably changed at 4-27. and 27. Yeah. And what, we'll see uh, if that's how that plays out. I want to get both these guys in here before – uh, we hit the top of the hour break, so let's do Mark next. Mark, welcome into the drive on our time. It feels weird to say. What's up? <laughs> Afternoon, guys. You kind of uh, led into what uh, my question was going to be. Sure. I haven't heard too much talk about the assistance. I mean, example, Danny Manning was a great player, but I don't recall him having any success as a coach. Not much. Now, now I could be missing something, but as a head coach, no. As an assistant, maybe. And Nolan Smith, I don't know a whole lot about him. I can't speak either way. But I haven't really heard a lot of talk about, you know, the staff. And isn't there a third guy that he brought from Oregon? Or James, Josh, Josh, Josh James. Yeah. He's yeah. usually like the lost man in these conversations because people just didn't know as much about him. Yeah. But I don't think he ever had any on-court experience, did he? Nope. He was an ops guy at Oregon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kenny's learning a new job. Yeah. I would think he would be leaning on the people he brought in to, right. you know, pick up the slack. And it doesn't seem uh, – the big men didn't improve. Danny's a big man guy, right? Mm. So is Kenny. That was – yeah, that, right. Kenny <laughs> yeah, was. So uh, Kenny, too. but Kenny's got other responsibilities now. That's right. Sure, sure. You know. But, you know, that's my comment. I, I haven't heard a yeah. lot, but my opinion all along has been, what are these assistants doing? Yeah. You know? Yeah, right, hang on, I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate it, call. Mark. That was unbelievably loud for some reason. That was weird. I don't I don't know what the expectation necessarily will be there, but unlike football, where it's Dave, it's really difficult for anyone to be like a really, really uh in the weeds expert on both sides of the ball and really be like just coaching up the hell out of every little piece of both sides of the ball in football. Like in basketball Assistant coaching changes are, uh, they're usually desperate. They're usually with a, a, a recruit or recruiting in mind. Uh, there's very few coaches who have like a quote-unquote coordinator, you know, uh, who, who handle some side of the ball for them so they can devote their energies, you know, elsewhere. So I don't, I would just temper everybody to not focus so much on possible staff changes because they just, they don't matter that much. The head coach is 100 – I'm not saying they don't matter, but they don't matter like they do, say, in football where we talk about this all the time. And and I just – even if you make these changes, your coaches are who they are and the team's going to play how they want the head coach. The head coach is still, no matter who they hire, going to be the most important voice, the most important person, the most influential person, to where if they made the three best hires they could be, we're still only going to be – a certain percentage of, of whatever Kenny wants this team to be. Like I, I agree with that that statement. Like you know, there's no amount of there's no level of assistant you can hire to fix a head coaching 
yes mistake i I agree with that i I won't say that they don't i know you said that you're not saying they don't matter but i do think especially with a first-time head coach guys that have ran practices before and and you know really good recruiters and people that know certain systems and certain aspects of recruiting that have pre-existing relationships i think all those things can really help you but i do agree with your your thesis statement your, your basic statement that no amount of assistant hires are going to fix a bad head coaching hire. One hundred percent agree with that. Um, They're really not even going to change it that much. And if you'd like, not a much. No, but of that, I think bad I would. Hires I would. Can I hurt. would in, well, I would invite you to just go back in time one year ago <laughs> to yeah. where Chris Mack's like, oh, I guess I'll get rid of the guys I've known for the longest. Uh, you know. It, and then bring in guys, and then just disregard everything they say. <laughs> yeah, I think I think bringing in like right. I think bringing in the like bad assistants or, or guys that aren't great. I don't know. I think that can hurt with with somebody who's in a vulnerable state of his career, like Kenny Payne, who's in his first year as a coach. I think it was probably more valuable, more value in his assistant coaching hires than say like a Rick Pitino, who's a kingmaker, you know, and he can bring in. It seems like almost anybody and turn them into a head coach. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I think. I think there's a difference there when you're talking about whether assistant coaches matter. Um, but at the end of the day, you're you're absolutely right. Like no no assistant coaching hire is going to fix a bad head coaching hire. Um, beyond that, I yeah, that's pretty much all. Like uh, Danny Manning is is I think at the time the hires each one could make sense. I thought that the worst part about his hiring process was how long it took for for not just those positions but the the support positions i think that that was somewhat of a misstep you know or at least uh, added to this perception that it was it was taking a while get like a lack of urgency almost uh yeah and that's that's that was my maybe the biggest issue with last year's process but yeah i don't know i don't know what's going to happen with the uh with the staff i think that i wouldn't be surprised if there's changes i don't think it's going to be wholesale but you yeah would, i I can't imagine that there won't be. Yeah. A 4-27 and has consequences. 4-28, and whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Let's get Dave in here before we get too close to the top of the hour. Dave, thanks for waiting, buddy. Welcome into the drive. Yeah. Thank you. What's up? Thank you. Glad the other Mark and Dave give you guys a little <laughs> blow before the next There you go. <laughs> hey, um, I, I'm retired, so I watch way more college basketball than I should. I, I'll take <laughs> – you know, I'll check the schedule. I'll record five games a night and watch the last <laughs> twenty minutes of of all of them. Oh wow! And uh, you know, uh, of you know, all ranked teams are really good matchups. And I watch these teams, and I don't think we have a single player on our roster who could start for any of these teams based on you know athleticism, speed, basketball smarts, mm. shooting ability, any any skill. And, and I, I mean, I'm just looking at these teams. I'm thinking even our guys that we say have improved over the years, if any – I hate to say it because I, don't, I think they're working hard, but if any of them are starting next year, I think we're still in trouble because mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a coaching thing. You just – if you, like, superimpose a recording, you know, another game with our game and it would look like that one is being played on – fast forward and ours is just being played at normal speed um and i don't know he's uh you know we don't if everybody was to come back which obviously isn't going to happen we don't have any scholarships open so a whole lot of people are going to leave and bless their hearts uh i don't really care <laughs> I, I would love to see l stick around and play the two guard because I think he would be another Russ Smith yeah. as a two guard. Uh, but outside of that, I just don't know. I think it's it just needs to be a total reload. I I, you know, these, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's a lack of effort on these guys. I just think it's a lack of basketball smarts and just basic basketball skills. That's uh, that's all I got. Appreciate it, Dave. Thank you. Uh, yeah, look, I. I think, Dave, you and I agree on this. You can't have a year in which it goes this poorly and also bring everyone back. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's no question that there's going to be an air on kind of the side of discontinuity in, in terms of the roster and that you have to do it that way. Uh, I would I would want about four guys back. I don't – you know, I would want – I would hope that J.J., Kamari Lance, and Mike James come back. And yeah. a, a core of four is going to be back, and, and anyone beyond those four, like I, I would like an explanation, 
you know, just yeah. just for it. But I, I think, you know, the the caller, Dave, just said that, you know, it didn't look like effort was an issue necessarily. I do think effort was an issue at times. But I think – I was thinking about the ACC championship game between Louisville and Virginia Tech on the women's side uh, and how much both of those teams in just going toe-to-toe slugfest back and forth, literal slugfest at times. But they both played with a lot of conviction. Like they know exactly what to do, what's exactly what's expected of them, and they do it 102 miles an hour. Both teams – all the time, and sometimes it's crazy and frenetic, and, but sometimes it's art, and so, but and it is always very competitive. And I think the thing that I'm beginning to feel that that I fear and that I need addressed is I think that it's maybe not so much effort, like pure effort from the team, as much as I think they didn't play like a team that believed in what they were doing. Yeah, they didn't play with conviction. Yes. That's the word I think I want to start using instead of just effort as much as it's just when was the last time you watched a guy just sort of make a crisp cut to the basket? Like, I know I'm about to blow by this guy and you're going to get me the ball and I'm going to dunk. Just something like that. Yeah. Where that happens all the time with the best teams. And we're obviously used to it with Louisville basketball in general. I'm beginning to think that, like my, the biggest issue is the. They didn't, as a group, really believe in what was being asked of them. And that's, you know, that's for Kenny to sort of evaluate why they didn't. Yeah, and that's the conversation we had oftentimes, like, with Jalen Withers last year. You know, where it's like, man, he just looks so unsure. And unsure can make it make you play slower, you know, and makes you looks, it looks like you're playing lazy when you don't have conviction about what you're doing, you know. Hesitation and is slow. It Yes, exactly. Um and that, I think that's probably the the bigger issue with with this year's team. And and to the caller Dave's point, like I I don't disagree when he's talking about. Well, I don't think any of these guys could play on any team this year. But I'll allow for a guy like Mike James or Kamari Lands to the possibility of them improving quite a bit this off season. You know, from their first real year on the court to the second year, uh, especially a guy like Mike James who has flashed real brilliance especially like in his ability to get to the rim you know and and do that with conviction since we're talking about it um and then at times he looks like a good shooter so if we could sort of refine the rest of his game and there was a texture that had a, a text to this point a little bit ago if you can kind of refine refine the rest of his game around his his bully ball and his uh his three-point shooting like we might he, I could see a world where he comes back and starts next year. But when you're talking about who to bring back and who to bring in, like there was a lot of people throwing scenarios at us last week on the text line, and my answer to almost every single one of them is you're not bringing in enough proven ability in the transfer portal in any of these scenarios where they were like it would only be Sky Clark and like unnamed point guard. You know, it's like, dude, if this is going to be more of the same if you're talking about freshmen combined with returnees like you need more guys that can impact this team right away coming in yeah i i think more than anything else uh it i want i want to hear about guys coming in who absolutely love work and love practice we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more here uh, as well as the latest uh kerfuffle among fans and it's it's symptomatic of where we are right now on the other side here on the drive on I've been the boat. 